Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Alicia Del Valle and the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos to the Bleed Loss Podcast. La carne asada está en vivo. Uh, let's get some business out of the way before we start. And that is this episode of the Bleed Loss Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Ben Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered on all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, golf, to UFC, and boxing. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your own home. So get into the action today, head over to the website, and use your mobile device to join. And be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, everybody. So uh, why don't we get into it, okay? So the first thing that I want to address here on the show and everybody and a good evening to you, Daniel Ibarra. Thank you for joining us on the show. In the last two days, everybody seems to be talking about Noah Syndergaard. And I was at the game yesterday and uh, I, I, you know, why don't we start off with this? Because during the game, the Dodgers started off great. They had a 3 nothing lead. They scored three runs in the first. And at that point, I honestly thought this is going to be a blow-up. This game, uh, the Dodgers got this. They're actually going to sweep. They're going to sweep the Nationals. This is great. And then things turned. And then once Syndergaard started giving up runs, I went on social media, and I just saw the poor guy just being destroyed. Everybody just saying, I'm over Syndergaard. Get him out of there. He doesn't deserve. So we're going to get into that. But before we get into that, I do want to show you this. I think that was me that sent you that, right? Well, you were you sent that to me personally, but on social media there was there was a lot there was a lot of negativity directed at 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 Syndergaard. So I want to show you guys this before we start talking about Noah Syndergaard. And this was, and maybe some of you had already seen it, uh, but this is Noah Syndergaard's post-game interview uh, after his start yesterday. Yeah, I was trying to, to make those adjustments, but just uh, you know, trying to make these big adjustments during starts, or in between starts, just isn't uh, the easiest. You know, I'd give my hypothetical firstborn to be the old me again, um, and I'll do everything possible to, uh, to get back to that. It's just, uh, you know, I'm still expected to go out there and compete, and today just fell behind. A lot of hitters couldn't get my off speed uh, over for a strike, and, you know, my, my changeup is just uh, a huge 
vulnerability for me right now. Um, it used to be a plus pitch, but now it's just uh, it's a slower two seam for me right now. So I'm just going to continue to work on that. And I've been working on throwing a, a splitter in between uh, starts. And I threw a couple of those just for uh, the hell of it. Didn't have much to lose. Um, I got one hitter out with one, and the other I just kind of spiked into the dirt. Uh, so I'm still working on that. Just the velocity and command are, are just byproducts. When I look at video of me now and video of me in the past, it's just the body's moving completely different. Um, I'm trying to be as external as possible. I'm just focused on results when I'm out there competing, but uh, uh, in between, it's just not necessarily syncing up or clicking. I mean, it, it really sucks. Like right now, I just feel like I'm the only weakest link on this team. So. Uh, just I want to go out there and compete and, and be successful for the, the, the other guys in this clubhouse, but it's uh, just not working out. I mean, Doc's just a tremendous leader, um, the presence he has in this clubhouse. Um, I think we're all extremely grateful for and, and really benefit from. Um, and it's just nice to have him, um, him having my back. Okay, so for those of you guys watching or you're listening on the podcast, uh, Noah Syndergaard is like a monster, all right? Uh, there's a reason why they call him Thor. I mean, the, the guy is just built, like, just he's tall, and he's just got muscles everywhere. That was not bad audio. I was literally standing in front of him. The guy is one of the most soft-spoken players or people I've ever, I ever have, I have met. I feel like he speaks in a whisper, all, all the time. And I know that some people may hear that and go, damn. And, and like Kevin, welcome. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Uh, yeah, it does seem like he's in a dark place. So it seemed like he was, he was a little, uh, his voice was a little softer than it normally is. I'm going to preface this before we get into it by saying, I don't expect that Noah Syndergaard is going to be with the Dodgers by the end of the season. Uh, I've actually been a little surprised that Dave Roberts has been so openly discussing, questioning if Syndergaard is going to stay in the rotation. I mean, he wouldn't even commit to Syndergaard's next start after his start against the Nationals. Uh, so it seems like everyone is, is just really down on, on Syndergaard. And like Roberts has said many a times, this is about performance. We have to put the people out there who can help us win a game. And he, and he and to be fair, he owes it to the rest of the team. He needs to put people out there who's going to help this team win. So that being said, the fact that I don't think he's going to be on this team unless he turns things around drastically. And if he does, I mean, I'll I'll be very surprised. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be on this team. I will say this, that was very, I mean, I was right in front of him. Um, I was right in front of him during this speech. And that was a bummer, man. And it was a harsh reality that, you know, these guys, while we think they need to be perfect all the time, you really saw a guy there who was completely lost. He, I don't think knew, I, I, I don't think he knows how to fix it. I don't think the Dodgers know how to fix it. Uh, and I just, I felt bad for him. 
I, I, and so to see everybody just attacking him, uh, you know, it's like, I, I get it, dude. The guy's been bad and he's been bad the whole season. And, but at one point, I, I, I just, I feel like you, you kind of have to feel for him in the sense that he knows his time with the Dodgers is, is short now. He knows that. Uh, I want to acknowledge some of the comments that we have coming in. Um, Michael Carrillo, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is on the Dodgers. The Dodgers, Michael Carrillo says going into the season, I knew he was going to be bad. His peripherals were always bad. I, I, Michael, I think you bring up a very good point. So why did the Dodgers sign him? The Dodgers signed them apparently because they saw something that they could fix and it doesn't look like they can fix it. I mean, the guy's ERA is over six. I think he has given up either four or five runs in what last of his five of his last starts. Um, the guy, and the thing is, is usually he pitches better at Dodger Stadium. It's on the road that he's just looked horrible. And then on Wednesday, he just, he didn't look any better. Um, yeah, it, I, like Michael, again, you're, you're right. It does look like he just cannot turn things around. Uh, Babyface, did you feel any empathy whatsoever for Noah Syndergaard? After that game, because yes, you did send me a text message very early in the game saying that you were over Syndergaard, you're done. Look, everybody in Dodger, every Dodger fan made that very clear. They don't want to see Syndergaard, but this is a guy that, look, again, I I just feel bad for him because he clearly can't fix. I mean, that's got to be something like all his life. He's been able to play baseball and for the most part. He did it well. And now you get to a point where you can't play baseball well anymore. I mean, that that's just got to suck. And you're doing it in front of everybody. Babyface, did you feel any sympathy for him? Yeah, I mean, after the fact, right, when you hear that interview, right, and you hear, like, in the spot, I mean, yes, yes, I get it. You know, he's not out there. Yeah, I'm thinking every day. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go out there and try purposely to suck, right? He's not. He's not trying. He's he's trying to do his best, right? And it's just not working out for him for whatever reason that is. You know, I don't know if we mentioned a couple episodes back. He was seeing the hypnotist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if he needs to continue seeing the hypnotist, kind of, because he he's also in a bad mental state now. Like I, I'm sure every time he takes the mound he's probably thinking, am I going to suck today? Right. He's probably thinking that, right. Like it's in his head, like, Oh man, I don't want to go out there and suck. Right. And as a professional athlete, you can't be thinking that. Right. And and you got to go out there thinking, you know what, I'm going to go out there and dominate. I'm going to go out there and perform. But I, I have a feeling that, you know, he's probably thinking the complete opposite of that every time he goes out there. And, and that obviously isn't going to be good for him or the team. Dude, he said it in his post-game interview. He is the weakest link on this team. And, and I mean, and I, we've heard this many times from players who say that, you know, confidence is very important, especially at a major league level. And if you don't believe that you can do the job, then how are you going to be successful? Now the, they're actually having a debate about how much longer can we put him out there? But here's the problem. Wh- who else are you going to throw out there? Dave Roberts announced that Michael Grove will be starting on Saturday against the Yankees. Okay. So if you guys want Noah Syndergaard out of the starting rotation, 
who are you guys going to put in his place? We don't know yet about Julio. It was reported. I saw him throwing in the outfield, but he was throwing on a flat surface. It seemed that the last time that he, uh, by the way, Kevin, you're getting ahead of me. I'm going to, I'm going to go there. Um, it seemed that the last time that Julio threw, he still had discomfort in that hamstring. So you don't know how soon Julio's going to come back. We still don't have an update on Pepio. I, I know Kevin nominated somebody, but I will tell you guys this. Do you know who has a higher uh, ERA than Noah Syndergaard? Gavin Stone. So Gavin Stone was supposed to help us with these problems. Gavin Stone's ERA is 14. And I find it very interesting. I was in Tampa Bay this past weekend. I was at the game that Gavin Stone pitched. And they asked Roberts after the game, how much longer can you keep throwing Gavin Stone out there? And the thing is that Roberts said they had to protect Gavin Stone's confidence because he's been getting hard. Now, let's be fair. Gavin Stone has faced some really tough lineups. I'm telling you guys this right now because I saw them up front. If the Rays can get some bullpen help, they're going to be a problem in the American League. Because that lineup, I, I mean, all the guys in there were just saying that this lineup, it, it, it's a tough lineup to face. So Gavin Stone had to face the Phillies. He had to face the Braves. And he had to face the Rays. Here's the problem, though. I can make all the excuses I want for Gavin Stone because Bobby Miller showed up and said, hey, hi, guys, I'm Bobby Miller. Like Bobby Miller faced that Braves lineup, and he looked much better. Now, here's again, when you're Bobby Miller, you throw 100 miles per hour on every on every pitch. I, I think that helps. Gavin Stone doesn't have that. So th this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to be in denial. I know that Syndergaard is not going to be on this team much longer. But who can you throw in that starting rotation to take Syndergaard's spot? Do you guys on the live, do you guys have suggestions? I saw Landon Knack uh, was a, a suggestion. Babyface, do you have a, uh, a solution for this? If you take Syndergaard out of that rotation, who are you going to put in? What are you going to do? I mean, I think it's going to be Grove, right? I think Grove's going to get the first crack, and then hopefully uh, Pepio comes back in, you know, maybe two, three weeks by the, sometime by the end of June. I mean, I think that's going to be the the hope. You know, you get you get those two guys kind of to take his spot. Um, you know, I've heard Landon Knack; he's been doing very well. He's a, but he's a double A, and they're not going to make a move from double A to to the show. So that's pretty much out of the picture. Unless he gets up to triple A and he starts, you know, doing something in triple A, then maybe maybe an outside chance. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Michael Grohl is going to get that first chance, and then maybe Pepio. Yeah, but Michael Grove is replacing Kevin Stone right now in the rotation. So I guess what my point is, is as much as everybody wants Syndergaard out of there, Syndergaard's well, still going to have to pitch because they don't yeah. have I mean, now, now, there's some off days coming up in the schedule, so they may be able to skip Syndergaard. But we are now two months into the season, and it doesn't look like Syndergaard has shown any improvement or found that he has been able to, to fix anything. So you're, you're going to, this is the problem. My concern is 
You don't, I don't, I don't want to see bullpen games this early in the season because this bullpen is, is kind of up and down and we're going to get into that right now. Uh, I want to address some of the comments on here. Uh, Michael Carrillo, very good point in the sense that, you know, Grove was a double A guy. He didn't go to triple A. He went straight to the major leagues. Hey, look, I hope, I mean, it's also a tall order because it looks like the Yankees all of a sudden have gotten healthy and it looks like Stanton is going to get activated this weekend. Of course, everyone gets, everyone uh, gets healthy when they come to face the Dodgers. Um, Kevin, I want to address your comment here that stone just isn't ready yet. He's still young and developing, I bet Stone will still be re- really good next year or so. I I hope you're right, Kevin. I I really do. Uh, I'm, but it was just tough to see that poor guy because the problem was he was always so close to getting out of innings and he just couldn't put them away. And from everything I was hearing uh, when I was down in Tampa, is that he needs to develop another pitch. I don't know if it's he needs to develop another pitch or he needs to develop a pitch that can get outs because that seems to be his problem is he just, he gets two strikes on guys and he can't put them away. Um, So I, I, I'm hoping, I, I really hope that Gavin stone next year, you know, will go ahead and do it. But I just think for right now, look, the, the starting pitching has been rough guys. I mean, especially on that road trip, they they got hit hard. The and and Roberts was asked this um the other day on Wednesday, the inconsistency with the starting pitching. I mean, Gonsolin so far looks like he's the best starter that you have of the pit, people that are still pitching. Now, Bobby Miller has been very impressive, but it's two starts. My concern is always once you start getting more tape on you and the league starts making the adjustment. What's going to happen? We've seen it with some other rookies already. You know, James Outman was starting out gangbusters, and now poor James Outman, just uh, he looks like another guy who's completely lost. So, how do you how do we survive this stretch? Is the question. Um, (laughs) As Michael Correo says, we seem to always uh, we seem to always have five DFA guys in our bullpen. Yeah. And again, it, it does seem, yeah, the Dodgers go ahead and spend a lot of money to get these stars, but it does also seem that they do a lot of bargain bargain basement shopping. Uh, I mean, another guy who was on the hit list, and he's been on the hit list all season, is poor Phil Bickford. I mean, that guy, that game on Wednesday, you know, Syndergaard gives up the lead, but he left, the, you know, when he left, the, the Dodgers ended up tying the game, and then... Poor Bickford gets just every time Bickford shows up, people are just always ready to get the knives out. So I, I know everybody likes is questioning the bullpen, but do we have anybody in the bullpen that is not named Evan Phillips? Because Bruce Dar Gratterall, he had a rough outing on Wednesday, and it was mistakes. It was mistakes that led to that to that home run. Uh, that put the game in in my opinion out of reach but is there anyone in the bullpen that uh, other than evan phillips who you are think is dependable you rely on you trust i mean babyface i'm putting it out there who could we trust in the bullpen
Uh, are we having a? You're on. You're on mute, babyface. Yeah, I'm on mute. Um, I think we can find somebody, right? There's got to be somebody, right? Caleb Ferguson, Shelby Miller. I mean, who else can we trust in the bullpen? When you hear this monitor, somebody's at the gate for the Camino Estrada. Let him in. Let him in. Y ahora vamos a tener a, vamos a, le quiero dar primero los bienvenidos a, a Víctor González, el lanzador de los Doyers, que es la primera vez que viene en nuestro programa. Víctor, déjame de, nomás explicarte. The Bleed Loss Podcast, en este programa, cuando nosotros invitamos a alguien a, a hablar con ellos en el programa, lo tratamos de hacer como una carne asada. Aquí nomás estamos sentados ahí cotorreando con uno al otro. Aquí todo es calmado. Te queremos preguntar, como esta es la primera vez que vienes a, a, a nuestro programa, ya tiene tiempo que no te hemos visto lanzar aquí con los Dyers. Pero desde, el, yo creo, la primavera, en el entrenamiento de la primavera hasta ahora, estás lanzando muy fuerte. Tú siempre esperabas, así es como ibas a lanzar este año, porque tienes un promedio de, de dos puntos algo. Estás lanzando fenomenal. Bueno, pues gracias a Dios este, se dio la oportunidad nuevamente ¿eh? de volver aquí con el equipo grande. Entonces, pues, la verdad, pues no me imaginaba este, este regreso, la verdad. Que me está yendo muy bien. Gracias a Dios. Espera, eh, primeramente Dios, este, seguir así toda la temporada. Yo sé que falta mucho faltan muchas me muchos meses, primeramente Dios llegamos a unos playoffs, entonces yo creo que eh, la meta ahorita es mantenerme saludable para poder seguir ayudando a, 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 al equipo y mantenerme tirando strike, que es lo más importante que en el 2021 este, batallé por, porque estaba tirando muchas pelotas fuera de la zona, entonces este año eh, el control está un poquito mejor y yo creo que eso es la la clave que me, que me ha dado éxito este año, esta, este regreso que, que tengo a la Grandes Ligas, entonces de mantenerme tirando la bola en, en la zona para, para seguir triunfando. ¿Y por qué pensaste que no ibas a regresar? ¿Ya perdiste la confianza o por qué tenía, tenías esos pensamientos? No, yo tenía el pensamiento de regresar a la Grandes Ligas, pero no tenía como como te digo, esa noción de volver y tirar 11 innings en blanco seguidos, o sea, ni sí tenía pensado volver, jugar grandes ligas, o sea, quería que me fuera bien, pero yo creo que este regreso que, que tuve fue algo increíble, porque yo creo que ni en el 2020 o 2021, a principio de temporada, tiré, yo creo, 11 innings en blanco, entonces, regresar después de de un año, casi, casi dos años, regresar y, y, y tirar muy bien. Entonces, eso, yo tenía la confianza de que iba a regresar, pero no, no tenía esa confianza de, de que me iba a ir tan bien. Este programa, todos los que trabajamos en este programa, somos mexicanos americanos. Y nosotros queremos apoyar a todos los jugadores latinos, pero especialmente cuando vemos los mexicanos. Y a verte a ti y a Julio en el 2020, cuando ganaron el campeonato, 
y las fotos, cuando ustedes estaban deteniendo la, 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 la bandera de México, esa experiencia cuando tú oyes a, a gente decir, ah, pero ese campeonato que ganaron no, no, no era real el que ganaron. Pero, pero para mí esas son puras pendejadas, ¿verdad? Porque todos tenían la misma oportunidad de ganar, sí, sí. pero ustedes ganaron. Pero esa experiencia de... Y tú hiciste un papel muy importante en ese equipo. ¿Cómo fue esa experiencia de ganar el, el campeonato? Bueno, fue muy, muy bonito este, poder haber ganado ese campeonato este, al lado de, de, de Julio César. Entonces yo creo que es algo pues muy, una experiencia muy, muy bonita tener al lado también a, a Clayton Kerch, a todos esos jugadores que, que estaban en el 2020, entonces es un orgullo poder decir que pues hoy fue, fuimos campeones mundiales, entonces la gente puede decir lo que sea, entonces eso está escrito ya de que nosotros ganamos, entonces eso nadie nos lo puede quitar, ni, ni toda la gente que se junte a decir de que eso campeonato no, no valió, entonces... Nosotros lo disfrutamos, fue una experiencia muy bonita y, y esperemos este año poder conseguir otra vez ese, ese trofeo. Le he preguntado a los peloteros que, que no hablan español, ¿por qué no, no, no lo hablan? Eh, para mí es muy importante hablar español porque la mayoría de los jugadores, no la mayoría, pero pues muchos jugadores en las ligas grandes son jugadores latinos. Tú en el Clubhouse tienes a, a Julio, hay otros de los uh, jugadores que tal vez no hablan español que tú les tratas de enseñar a hablar español para que aprendan. Al cabo, son Los Ángeles, aquí se tiene que hablar español. Bueno, pues yo no soy de hablar mucho inglés. Yo Ajá. soy el que ahora así me acerco a, a, a mis compañeros a tratar de hablar un, un poquito inglés porque quiero aprender el inglés para poder estar la comunicación sea, sea mejor a la hora de que los co vayan a hablar conmigo, todas esas cosas, pero sí, la verdad que aunque no lo entiendo muy bien y casi no lo hablo, este, me acerco a mis compañeros a, a tratar de, de hablar para tener una armonía, para tener una comunicación con ellos, aunque no me comunique muy bien con, con Ferguson, yo me llevo muy bien, trato oh. de hablar con, con él así... Este, hacemos chistes, nos reímos, hay veces que llegan más compañeros y se entregan ahí a la conversación, está al monte, que cuando no entiendo algo, él, él me ayuda para seguir la conversación, entonces ahí se, se mezcla el español, el inglés, entonces hay muy buena armonía, entonces yo creo que también debo aprender inglés para que ellos también traten de hablarme con más confianza. Después de que ustedes ganaron el campeonato, la siguiente temporada no teniste el mismo éxito que habías tenido el año anterior. Y este año ya regresaste otra vez a las ligas grandes. Para mí, ver tu historia da inspiración, ¿verdad? Porque hay mucha gente que estar al nivel que tú estás y tener que bajar, que se rinden. Pues ya, pues ya que se va a hacer, pues ya no me van a dar la oportunidad pero tú persiguiste esa meta. Había a veces que pensaste, no, pues esto ya no se va a hacer, pero de tengo que eche seguir echando ganas. Sí, pues llegó, llegó el momento de que, o sea, no de dejar de jugar béisbol, sino dejar de, de trabajar tan, 
tan fuerte porque pues en el 2021 en la off-season este, me puse a trabajar con, con Raúl Rico, que es mi, mi preparador a, a este, ahorita en todas las off-season, él es el que va a mi ciudad y me prepara día a día, entonces había ocasiones que pues yo le decía a él, oye, estamos trabajando muy fuerte y, y, y pues no, o sea, no veo los resultados, entonces él siempre me decía como que no te rindas, no te rindas, va a llegar el momento de que, que vas a triunfar otra vez, entonces mi esposa, mi mamá, mis abuelos, todo, toda esa gente, mis amigos han sido una motivación más para para seguir adelante, este, mi niño, Kevin, que, que siempre él me decía, ahora que, que siempre me dice que papá, hey, no, no te rindas, que te quiero ver en la tele otra vez jugar, quiero que, que le piches a, a Tati, porque él es, es fan de Tati, él le gusta mucho <risa> Tati Junior, y ahora que me tocó picharle, eh, aquí en el Stein, que le di la base por bola, me estaba enojado porque leí la base por bola. Él quería que, el, que lo ponchara. Pero, no pero sí, muchas motivaciones atrás de mí, la verdad, para, para no rendirme, para seguir luchando. Este, este año vine eh, en Spring Training, no se dio este, la oportunidad de hacer el equipo. Me fui a AAA, pero o sea, seguí trabajando. No me, la verdad que no me rendí, seguí trabajando fuerte para para volver a tener esta, esta oportunidad y gracias a Dios se me, volvió, se me volvió, volvió a dar la oportunidad de regresar al equipo y, y aquí estamos siguiendo trabajando para, para ya no volver a, a, a las menores y poder ayudar al equipo. Ah, en, el, en el clásico, en México ya mero llegaba a la final. Yo ese noveno inning yo dije, la vamos a hacer, va a ser México contra los Estados Unidos en la final. Pero para mí ese partido sirve para, para que todo el mundo sepa que el béisbol en México no solamente es a un nivel muy alto ahorita, pero siempre ha sido. ¿Tú piensas que tal vez el, el, el béisbol mexicano no, me, no, no recibe el respeto que merece? Porque gente ve el, el país de México, pues eh, nomás es el fútbol, el, el fútbol es lo que importa. Y yo les alego, no, el béisbol es bien popular en, en, en México. ¿Estoy correcto o, estoy, o voy mal? No, no, está, está en lo cierto. Eso, el, el béisbol hay mucho talento, la verdad. Hay mucho talento. Eh, yo quisiera que pues hubiera más mexicanos. Yo sé que en un futuro va a haber más mexicanos en, en las grandes ligas porque yo sé que hay mucho talento ahí en México. Todo es cuestión de que, de que el mexicano luche porque hay, hay en veces que el mexicano firma para Estados Unidos y, y es como, como que ya, ya estoy en Estados Unidos, ya firmé, ya estoy aquí, pero no siguen adelante, no, no ven, porque eso me pasó a mí, porque yo, yo vine para acá, firmé y, y yo decía, ah, ya, ya firmé, ya estoy en Estados Unidos, estoy un, con un equipo que sale en la tele, que está en la Liga Mayor, o sea, no persigue uno el sueño hasta que le van pasando cosas. Pues o sea, a mí me pasó lo de la operación. Después de ahí yo dije, no, ya, me tengo que poner las pilas, tengo que trabajar. O sea, hay veces que uno reacciona tarde en vez de, de seguir. O sea, como Julio. Julio llegó aquí y 
despadazó ligas menores y a los 19 años estaba en grandes ligas. O sea, ahorita mismo tenemos que agarrar todos los mexicanos el ejemplo de, de Julio y los demás mexicanos que han jugado atrás de que, bueno, ellos tuvieron la oportunidad, yo ya la tengo ahora, ya estoy en Estados Unidos, simplemente tenemos que seguir trabajando, 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 hasta llegar a la Grande Liga, y ya cuando estés en la Grande Liga, seguir trabajando para mantenerte en el mejor béisbol del mundo. Entonces, en ocasiones, uno como que, no sé la palabra, pero como que ya firmé, ya es todo lo que voy a hacer. O sea, uno tiene que seguir trabajando para lograr más metas, más triunfos, y así vas a ser conocido por, por toda la gente por muchos años. ¿Y te la llevas bien con Julio? Sí, yo me llevo muy bien con Julio siempre. Pues desde que nunca jugamos en ligas menores juntos, pero en el 2017 cuando me operaron a mí, a él lo operaron del hombro, pues ahí estuvimos viviendo juntos. Entonces fue una amistad que pues hasta ahorita yo, pues yo a la gente le digo que es como un hermano para mí, es como... Él siempre me da consejos, hay veces que de la nada yo le puedo decir algo de que mira que esto, o hay veces que cuando uno tiene unas malas rachas de que no, que uno está haciendo esto con la mecánica, platicamos cosas así, pero casi siempre estamos en muy buena comunicación, nos lleva muy bien, entonces uno se siente mejor cuando tienes a una persona que, que está ahí apoyándote, dándote un consejo día a día, así te ve haciendo algo mal, siempre te dice, hey, güey, estás haciendo esto, no está bien, mira. Uh -huh. Entonces uno se apoya, entonces yo creo que es algo bonito eso. Y Julio todavía está joven, ¿verdad? Tiene como unos, ¿qué? ¿24 años? Tiene 26 y... años. 26 y parece que es veterano, ¿verdad? Cada... Sí, pues es que él, su papá lo... Lo amaestró muy bien, su papá. <risa> Tiene una mentalidad muy grande, Julio, entonces. Ah, oh, pues es está bien. bueno. Sí, sí, sí. Bueno, Uy, ¿quiere... Una mente de, de un viejo, dijeron por ahí. <risa> bueno, queremos respetar tu tiempo, Víctor. Vamos a terminar la entrevista de la manera que te... siempre terminamos todas nuestras entrevistas. Aquí en The Bleed Los Podcast, a nosotros, lo más importante son los Doyers, Los Ángeles, y los tacos. A nosotros nos encantan los tacos. Y tú como mexicano, te voy a hacer dos preguntas. En México, ¿cuál es tu favorito taco? ¿Y a dónde vas en México a comprar ese taco? Y aquí en Los Ángeles, ¿cuál es tu favorito taco y a dónde vas a comprarlo? En México, los tacos de tripa. Pero siempre voy a una a una esquinita así, o, o de carne asada, de Ajá. pastor casi no, no, lo, no los como, pero aquí en Los Ángeles, ¿cómo se llaman los tacos? Algo como 1900, déjame, déjame lo buscar. Oh, ¿El 1984? Mm, no, ¿cómo se llaman los tacos? De verdad que me gustan mucho esos tacos. ¿Y qué tipo de taco es? Son de asada. ¿De asada? Sí. Por aquí los debo de tener porque... <risa> cada rato les llamas <risa> para la orden. Sí. Cada... <risa> Cuando estoy así en, en viviendo en hotel, siempre lo, les llamo como 1900 algo. 
Pues no te preocupes. Ah, de... Tacos 1986 se llama. Oh, 1986. Okay. Sí, están en downtown, ¿no? Ah, creo que están... Sí, creo que aquí está en downtown, creo. Sí, se me hace que uh, Adrián González sí. nos había dicho de, de ese lugar. Sí, los tacos y los vampiros. Ahí casi siempre pido. Los vampiros. Bueno, Víctor, te queremos dar las gracias uh, por eh, eh, venir al programa. Uh, te deseamos mucho éxito el resto de la temporada. Y nomás te quiero dejar saber que mi productor te dio un apoyo. Se refiere a Víctor Chingonzález. González. Cada sí. vez que, que entras al partido, él, ahí viene Chingonzález. Pero te deseamos mucho éxito el resto de esta temporada. Muchas gracias, muchas gracias. Primero Dios, ojalá y, y, y lleguemos saludables todo el año para ayudar al equipo a unos playoffs y que una, ganar una serie mundial. Muchas gracias y que Dios los bendiga. Gracias. And uh, a big thank you once again to uh, Victor Ching Gonzalez uh, for joining us on the show. We I, wanted I, to have. I think he liked it. He liked that nickname. Did you see a little smile on his face? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He loved it. <laughs> um, we, we wanted to have Victor on the show because we never hear from him. And so he shared off air with us that he was a little nervous about doing the interview because Victor doesn't speak English. So there's not a lot of requests for him to to give interviews. And usually if he does, he has to use the translator. So he'll he'll rely on, on Dorado uh, from the Dodgers to, to translate. So for those of you who don't speak Spanish, I'm just going to give you some quick highlights from the interview. Um, we asked him about the fact that, you know, he was so successful in 2020 when the Dodgers won the World Series. And then the following year, he didn't have that same success. So he had to go down to the minor leagues. And it wasn't since, I mean, he hasn't been up since 2021 until this year. So we wanted to delve into, like, why did, what happened? You know, why was he not able to, to replicate that success? And he pointed a lot to his control issues and his confidence. And that's, and that's the thing, right? We talked about this with Syndergaard, right? Syndergaard has no confidence right now. And it looked like Victor, because he was having control issues and he couldn't throw strikes, he started having issues with his confidence. Um, uh, one of the other takeaways that I, I found really surprising from that interview is that he gets along great with Caleb Ferguson. Now, I don't know if Caleb Ferguson speaks Spanish, but it reminds me of, remember when Ryu and Puig seemed to be the odd couple and they were best friends? And I always used to say to myself, do they understand each other? Are they able to communicate with one another? Uh, and another person that... Uh, that uh, that Gonzalez is, is close with is Danny, uh, Danny, Yancey Almonte. Uh, Yancey Almonte is another guy that he he's close with. But of course, the person that he is probably closest to on that team is Julio Urias. He had mentioned that they don't, they never played together in the minor leagues, but they were both rehabbing together when they both had to have surgeries. And he spoke very glowingly about Julio in the sense that a lot of the Mexican players look up to Julio. And they use Julio as the example. He sets the bar. Like, in order to achieve success, we, we got to be like Julio. And what, do we have some? Is there someone else? We have another guest. Another. Wow. We have the, the princesa. 
Oh, we, look who's here, everybody. La Princesa de Picolandia has joined us. You guys all know her. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm so, am I late? I'm not too late, right? I'm so sorry. We're, we're, we're Mexican time. It's a carne asada. We'll just go ahead and put more meat on the grill. Don't worry about it, Alicia. Oh, crazy. But I'm happy to even catch the end of um, that interview. That's so cool that you got to spend time with Victor. Um, I'm very happy that he's on our team, you know? Yeah. And like I uh, what I was telling everybody there was how much he looked up to Urias. And what I love is that he gave credit to Urias's dad. And that, that Urias's dad is the one that he felt like really trained him and maybe gave him that maturity. Because, look, I got to remind you guys all, Julio's 26 years old. And the way Victor talks about it is he's looked at as a veteran. We look at him. He referred to, to Urias as an old soul. Um, I did think it's hilarious. I think this is the first time we've had anyone on the show say that tripas is his favorite taco. I, I don't, that, to be fair, I've never had tripas, but it just does not, uh, you, you've had, okay, ex, uh, Princesa, explain to me, what does it taste like? It's just, when I hear tripas, it just doesn't sound good to me. I didn't know I was eating it. So that's how I ended up, eat. if you asked me if I wanted it, I don't know, I'm pretty adventurous. But my father's the, the kind of man that's like, you have to try everything once. You don't have to finish it or whatever. But I ate it. It was good. It was also after a game. So things might so, have been extra what did it taste like? What, <laughs> what did it taste like? What is it like? Is there something you can compare it to? Uh, so Please don't I, say chicken. I No, no. It doesn't have the texture of chicken. Um, Lingua. Lengua is my was the first thing that came to my mind, and I like lengua, but for some reason I didn't. I won't. I have not ordered tripas since then. Does that mean I don't know? Maybe because after I found out, I don't know. But it has that kind of texture. Um, it's a little more gelatinous. It's not as firm. I don't. I don't want to get too graphic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I we we can't thank Victor enough for coming on the show. Very it's so cool. it's so great to 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 hear. To hear him, I, I I always feel bad for those who don't. I feel like they don't because he doesn't speak English. Nobody talks to him. And I think it's important. I think his story is very inspiring. The guy went down into the into the, you know, the minor leagues and struggled for two years. And now he's come back. And it's so great to see his success. Um, Princesa, we want to get your opinion on some of the earlier topics that we had on the show. Is that Efren with the tripas dorados? Is that Efren coming in? You know what? That's probably the way to do it. One is the dorado style. Dorado style? All righty. Um, I mean, everything fried tastes better, right? <laughs> so we started the show talking with the depressing uh, Noah Syndergaard, and I think everybody went from oh. get him out of here to now uh, everybody's concerned about him. What are your thoughts on Noah Syndergaard, Princesa? As soon as I saw that interview, I'm just like, oh, man, I feel for this guy. And I, I, I've I, already felt for him. There's no way he wants to be, you know, at where he is right now on this amazing, you know, winning organization. There's just no way. So I always try to put myself in someone's shoes. Man, and his shoes, Syndergaard's shoes are sad. 
I just feel so bad for him. I mean, don't you guys? I just, oh, I, I, I mean, who admits that? That's a pretty confident man to admit. To say those words, I feel like I'm the weakest link. Oh, yeah. my God. Because, yeah, that that's, you, you, you know, you're not supposed to do that, especially when you're a professional athlete, right? It's a lot of macho men over there. So I hope and- it turns around. Maybe, I mean, maybe he's injured. And, and right now with, with the pitching that the Dodgers have, they, they can give him a rest, right? They can sit him. They can skip his starts and figure it out. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, we were trying to figure out, like, who could the Dodgers use in his spot? And we just couldn't come up with an answer. But I want to get your opinion on this because you were there for this. Um, Alex Vesia made a, a return talking about like struggling and getting sent to the minor leagues and then coming back. You were there when Vesia came back into the game. And I want you to give us a uh, how was that experience in the stadium when you saw Alex Vesia pitching? And I'm not talking about Wednesday, I'm talking about Tuesday's performance. Right. And I know what. You, I, well, I have a feeling you're asking me this because our own fans booed him. Is that why? Hey, you, you, t- I, you <laughs> report it to me. Report it to me like I wasn't there. Because you don't want to get me all heated, you know? Like, <laughs> don't be booing our fans. Well, I, mean, I, I, I will say that. I want to share this with uh, those of you on the live. <laughs> La Princesa sent I mean, us a, a message in the group chat that said things are about to get ugly for Vesia in here. <laughs> so you knew it was coming, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it, I just, I felt for him as well. And we like Vesia, do we not? You know, and look at right here, right away, Michael Carrillo says, Vesia isn't good anymore. <laughs> How quickly we turn on each other. <laughs> I'm scared of you, Michael. Um, but seriously, I felt bad for him. You know, the first few at-bats didn't go well. By the end of his outing, our own fans, Dodger fans, were booing our own Dodgers player. And I that's not our legacy. I don't like that. Leave that. Let, let New York be like that. Let Philadelphia be like that. We are California, man. We're L.A. Everyone wants to be us. I don't want to be all bitter and angry. So as soon as I was, I probably had a stink face from seeing Bessia's performance. But then when the Dodgers started booing him, Dodger fans, then I got kind of upset with them. And I, you know, I just turned into like mama bear, like it's messed up, man. <laughs> Let someone boo near me. Let someone boo near me. Um, yeah, it didn't, didn't go well. No, poor thing. That Okay. Was- so, which leads me, okay, so we've identified some issues, right? We've <laughs> identified the fact that, you know, Syndergaard and our starting pitching have some holes that we need to address. The bullpen seems to be a little shaky. Uh, I don't know if you guys on the live have noticed this, but uh, Jim Bowden uh, put out an article, and he basically described what were the Dodgers' needs. Now, it's two months into the season, and usually this is the time of year uh, where this is where you identify what your holes are. So the first two months of the year, you figure out, okay, this is where we have problems. And now you're going to use the next two months to try to fix those problems. Usually it's like, okay, do we have anybody in the minor leagues that can help us to address, address these problems? Well, because of the injuries, we've already had to go to the minor leagues and it doesn't look like we have solutions in the minor leagues. So I want to throw this out to you guys and see if you guys agree. This is what Jim Bowden thinks the Dodgers need. 
The first thing he said is that they could use a better offensive alternative at shortstop. Okay. Number two, a better overall left fielder. Number three, another starter or two. And number four, a full-time closer. And he ends it by saying this. This seems like a lot for the NFL, the NL's second best team, but that's how I see it. He's wrong. The Dodgers are not the, the second best team. I mean, they have the best record in the NL, uh, but I'm going to digress to that for a minute. Uh, I do, uh, Princesa, you want to chime in? Yeah, the Arizona Diamondbacks just tied them today. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You, you beat me to it. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, Shoot. Sorry. Uh, Babyface, do you do you agree in the order of the things that they need? I think right now it's the pitching, right? I think that's what they got they got to take care of first. Because I think once the pitching kind of gets on track, um, I've noticed you know once pitchers are down, it's kind of when they start playing a little a little kind of shaky or whatever, and, and, and games get tougher. But when their pitching's on track. I think it, it, it helps everything overall. You know, guys start hitting, different guys start hitting. And I think once they shore up that, then, you know, I mean, I get it. I get um, Miguel Rojas isn't, like, tearing it up at, at shortstop, right? I mean, but like I said, who are you going to get that's available? Short, you know, again, Tim Anderson, but are they really going to get Tim Anderson, right? So it's like, how do you fix that that hole there? And then, I mean, I guess probably during the trade deadline, they could find a left fielder. But again, it's like who are they going to target to to fill those those spots? So, my my concern right now would be get a guy or two to to shore up the the starting rotation. Well, I I'm curious to see what the princesa thinks about this because uh, Friedman said when asked about you know the need of a shortstop, he said that the trade line is going to be a little different because he knows that Mookie Betts now can play shortstop. So, princesa. The fact that Mookie Betts can play shortstop, does that mean that you think they're not going to try to upgrade at the shortstop position? Well, I I don't think they're going to because Mookie wants to play shortstop. And I feel like the Dodgers do what Mookie wants to do. So <laughs> <laughs> she's well, coming in hot, everybody. Yes, right. And and Freddie Freeman is the star of the Dodgers. I mean. I don't know. I I think pitching is going to look at the Dodger fans that are on there with us. Thank you guys for joining. But they they feel like the, the bullpen, they need pitching. I know that would make Dodger fans happy because I feel like all of us think that we are the Dave Roberts, just not given our chance. But um, <laughs> I I. I just know the Dodgers are going to figure it out. That's that's my go-to. And if they can't figure it out, I don't think anyone out here is going to figure it out. I feel like you, Juan, just love to be stressed or or call people out or, or you know, and, and that's you. That's your passion. I'm always like, let's pray for them. It's going to be all right. Like refusing to see the downfall, you know, like <laughs> I just won't do it. <laughs> it just seems to me that that's a lot. That you yeah, need. And the thing is, is at the trade deadline, I mean, that I always have felt this and I could be wrong. I always feel the Dodgers have a different price than everyone else. I feel like other teams can trade for things and they're not going to pay 
the same price that the Dodgers are going to pay. And maybe it's because every year the Dodgers have the best farm system in Major League Baseball. So maybe other teams value the Dodgers, uh, you know, minor leaguers more than they value other teams. I, I agree with Babyface. Obviously, I think pitching is the number the number one thing that they need to get. They need to get starters. I'm curious if with Pepio coming back, if Urias comes back, if that changes the starting rotation and then it'll change. Uh, I mean, Daniel Hudson, the way Dave Roberts has talked about it, he even said it. Dave Roberts said, we can't expect Daniel Hudson to come back and perform like he did because he hasn't pitched in a year. And I agree with Roberts on that. But when Hudson was here, he was huge for that bullpen. So, but you don't know what you can get from him. So to me, that's all I'm saying is I just feel like this team has a lot of holes and you may not have enough money to try to now. Okay. We had a comment in the chat here that Bueller's coming back. I know that Bueller has said that what, what baby face did he say? Maybe in September, he'd be able to pitch. He's the yeah, target in September. So I, I don't know. Those, those are all a, a lot of question marks. You know what, Michael Carrillo, if that is true, that is definitely somebody. Uh, I, I mean, I, I see what your point is. So Michael Carrillo in the chat just said, according to sources, Bieber from the Guardians is going to be made available. But that's a bad move because he's clearly regressing. So I, I still, it's going to depend what the price is, uh, right, Michael, uh, for Bieber. But clearly, it seems like everybody on the show agrees. It, it's starting pitching is the number one. If you can get another outfielder, I, I, I'm reminded of what Ron Say told us on the show in the sense that when it comes to the outfield, you just have a bunch of numbers out there. I mean, Hayward someday sometimes looks good. Other days, Peralta starts to look good, but then, you know, things are just, they regress. They go back to the norm. I just do want to say this is, Princesa, is it possible that maybe perhaps Trace Thompson has snapped out of it? I mean, he was 0 for 40. He hadn't had a gun to hit. And I'm just going to put this out there for you guys. You guys need to know this. I, uh, I went to Tampa Bay and Efren provided proof that I was in Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden, Trace Thompson gets three hits in a game. Do whatever you want with that information. All I'm saying is I show up to Tampa Bay and Trace Thompson hits a home run and gets three hits in a game. It's Thank you. It's all you. Whatever <laughs> you're doing, please get going. Everybody, come on. <laughs> Trace is cooked. Yikes. Dude. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, he's another one I really want to do. Well, I think I said that multiple times on this podcast, but I think we need that magic this weekend. Are you going to be at any of the games this weekend, Juan? Because this is a big series. It's been, you know, two national games back to back, you know? So, well, I think that I, I will be there on Sunday. I do think this is just, it's the nostalgia because it's Dodgers, Dodgers, Yankees. Right. This okay. is this is Lakers Celtics. Yeah. Um, this this is what it is. Uh, I was before you came on. I was just like, of course, everyone on the Yankees is getting healthy because they're going to play the Dodgers now, because that's what 
That's what it feels like. Everybody always gets healthy when the, when they're going to play the Dodgers. It's going to be back just for this series. What a coincidence. I'm yeah, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, Wait, can I ask um, yeah. who, who, what is the rotation, the pitching rotation for this weekend? Cause I was trying to look that up just now. Um, so Bobby- Michael Grove is going to pitch on Saturday. Bobby Miller's pitching on Sunday. Okay. So Friday is a Kershaw game. Kersh, really? Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. the only game I get to go to is Friday. So, and you know, I'm. A- Am I? I'm right, right? Babyface Kershaw's pitching on Friday. Mm-hmm. Kershaw. Yeah. So it's Kershaw, Michael Grove, and Bobby Miller. Um, that game on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Michael Carrillo. I think he's right. I, yeah, I don't think. I thought, um, never mind. I'm just going to have to look it up. I was trying to find it, but I could have, sw- I did not hear Kershaw's name this weekend. I heard Bobby Miller and. Um, oh, so yesterday when I was at the stadium, Dave Roberts told us that Michael Grove is pitching on Saturday. Yeah, if they moved him up to Friday. It's, it's Severino Kershaw tomorrow. And then Cole Grove on Saturday. And Herman and Miller on Sunday. I confused myself. I would have got excited when I had heard Kershaw. So I guess I might have just missed it. Look, it's gonna it's gonna be nuts because all the front runner Yankee fans are gonna be at Dodger Stadium. You're gonna see a bunch of Yankee fans at Dodger Stadium, and so it's gonna be probably three sold out games. I I hope they're good. Uh, Look, for the most part. The Dodgers, I felt, kind of held their own against the Rays offensively. The problem is the pitching. So we'll see what happens against the Yankees. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the Yankees have been playing better. So this is going to be a tough stretch for, for the Dodgers, which leads me to what you had brought up. Hey, guys, don't look now, but the Diamondbacks have just tied the Dodgers. The Dodgers are now tied for first place. The Diamondbacks, who at the beginning of the year, I laughed when people were picking the Diamondbacks as a dark horse, and I kept saying, well, what do people see in the Diamondbacks? Two months into the season, don't look now. The Diamondbacks are against are ahead of the, the show pods. They're a, ahead of the San Francisco Giants. Babyface, the, are the Diamondbacks for real? They'll fade. Okay. So babyface has no no faith in anybody. Do you do you feel the no, same way? We, we, see, we, we see this all the time. It's it's always there's always a team in, in the in the West. Rockies do it for a lot of time. Diamondbacks have done this before. They fade by the end. You know? So if the Diamondbacks stay close, it doesn't concern you the fact that how many stolen bases they steal on us? I mean that's going to be the issue when the Dodgers play them. They got to control that, and that they got to control that against any team that. That's any to team. Do that. I was going to say all these teams steal <laughs> on the Dodgers. It's not just the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I mean the Rays were were would they have like six seven steals in one game, right? Yeah, and then and the Dodgers lost the series. Yeah, and so even, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I was thinking Nationals beat them yesterday. They hit, were they hit six home runs, and the most they'd hit in the, in a game was like two all year, and they hit like. Was it six yesterday or something like that? Yeah, but here's the thing. They're major leaguers. If you're going to leave a fastball over the middle, guess what? They're going to yeah. hit it. Well, yeah, I mean, like that goes back to what I'm saying. you got to you got to take care of those things, right? And if you, you know this team's going to run on you, 
you got to take care of the running game, right? And you can't be, you know, tossing up meatballs to these guys, right? Because that's what they're going to do to you. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Yankees series. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in this next stretch because I, I think the Dodgers right now are, are, are trying to find themselves with, with the pitching being a little inconsistent. Maybe it's going to be like that in month of May of April because they, they, they were 500 team in April, but in May they bounced back. They went 18 and 10 in May. They played a lot better. And you got guys like, go ahead. Princess. Even, and with that, that crazy road trip, to still have that record. Like I, I know it didn't end as well as I predicted, but um, it's still, they were that crazy road trip. So long, so all over the country, they're back home. Isn't June supposed to be a little more favorable to them. And so I'm counting on the Dodgers, you know, they're not just going to blow it. This weekend's a little sketchy because of our pitching and we we're sending up, you know, they're not our best pitchers. They're not the Dodgers best against, you know, uh, my Cole, but I still feel like, you know, they're at home. It's three, there are three sold out games. Everybody oh. just loves this series. Like we can't dismiss how fun it is when the Yankees come to town. Um, and if you got a ticket, you are so lucky. Um, I'm, we'll I, I even have my parents trying to get me to get them tickets. And I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so we'll see this weekend. What happens as far as first place, right? Cause the Dodgers get the Yankees. D-backs got the Braves. So. They got a tough series too. Yeah. I mean, it's going to show it, I mean, it, I know it's only June guys. It, it's only June, but it is, this is, I, I feel it seems with, especially with the, the, the starting pitching, the way it is, the question marks up in the air, it, it's a little crazy. So I want to um, start wrapping things up real quick before we start, uh, we end the show. Um, you know, it's that time. It's La Plancha con el Rudo. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but earlier in the week on Tuesday, it was the birthday of Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, for those of you who, who follow us on Twitter, we like to use a gif of Jake the Snake saying, fuck yeah, whenever the Dodgers um, do something uh, good. Um, I just want to say this about Jake the Snake. If anybody knows the story with Jake the Snake. There are three movies that are really, really good that gives you his personal story. Um, this is a man who I think on the mic when it came to promos uh, was just awesome. But there's a movie called Beyond the Mat, if anyone's ever seen it. It's a, a documentary. And it's three different segments. And one of the segments is on J Jake the Snake. It, it, it's dark. It's dark. You're you're gonna see what uh, what addiction can do to someone. But I recommend it if you're a wrestling fan and if you like Jake the Snake. There's another movie that's a little more uplifting that has a more positive message called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, which tells the story of how Diamond Dallas Page basically helped Jake the Snake recover through yoga, and I, I that was a very uh, uplifting film. And I don't know if you guys have been watching what A&E has been doing, but they just did a documentary on Jake the Snake, and that one is super dark. It is super dark. Uh, but it is one of those things where this is a guy who has dealt with addiction his whole life, and to see him outlive all these other wrestlers, I, I guess is a positive sign. Um Babyface, what is your memory of Jake the Snake Roberts? What's the one thing when I say Jake the Snake Roberts, you think 
hey, this this is this is who defines Jake the Snake. I think, I think I go back to his uh, his feud with uh, it was a, he had a feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, right? Yeah, yes, he, he did. Isn't he the one that 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 did the? Oh no, so Macho Man, not Macho Man, right? Macho Man was the one that used he did, the bell. He DDT'd him on like on the floor, right? He DDT'd him on the concrete, and for those who don't know the story, they pulled back the padding. And Jake the Snake didn't want to do that. He told them, there's no way I can do this move. I'm going to kill him. And Ricky Steamboat was like, no, 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 do it, do it, do it. He ended up DDTing him outside of the ring on the concrete, and he knocked Ricky Steamboat out. If you watch it, it's on Peacock. It's a Saturday night's main event. You can watch the match. Jake the Snake has to physically pick up dead weight because Steamboat is passed out. And he rolls him back into the ring, and they end the match. But he, I think, was rushed to the hospital. Steamboat was rushed to the hospital after that because his head swole up. So, uh, yeah, that is one of my memories of Jake the Snake. The other one is the classic when he pulled out the Cobra and he bit the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, if anybody doesn't know that story, look it up on, on YouTube, especially the way Jake the Snake tells it. He he got he devenomized a Cobra. <laughs> And he had it bite the Macho Man Randy Savage on the bicep. But Jake the Snake, happy happy belated birthday to Jake the Snake, one of the top uh, wrestlers uh, in his day. Princesa, do you have any clue who we're talking about right now? No, but <laughs> if he, if Jake the Snake is somebody deserving of at least three different documentaries and pieces, I definitely need to check that out. And. I'm just letting you know it's dark. It, it is dark. Well, honestly, I feel like a lot of what comes out of these, especially the veteran wrestlers, there is a lot of darkness, just like yeah. comedians, just like rock stars. It's that era, right? Like decadence and, and they're stars. They were stars. So, and they are stars. So I, I saw <laughs> another, another dark one last night. Uh, I saw on dark side of the ring. Oh, I the saw, ones that are on Vice. Yeah, I saw the uh, the the Tammy and Chris one. Yeah, I heard about that. Tammy and Chris. Uh, we, we don't have enough time yeah, for that sorry. one. We'll save that one for another episode. <laughs> we'll save that one for another episode. Let's get into our picks. Uh, just to go ahead and remind everyone from last week, uh, we had two winners last week. Uh, Abraham Jimenez pulled one through for the fans. As he picked the Dodgers to go three and three. And then so the other winner was me. I yeah. picked the Dodgers to go three and three. Yeah, and I, but, and I, sh- I should have won, but thanks to Syndergaard and Brewstar <laughs> and, and those guys, they, they, they didn't help me out. So let's go ahead and update the standings. On the leaderboard are you guys, our listeners. You guys know baseball better than we do. You guys are in first place. In second place are Babyface and myself. And uh, Alonso and the Princesa are yet to get on the board. But here's your chance, Princesa. Uh, we're going to let you go first on the ladies' line here. So what we have is three against the Yankees of Nueva York and then three against the Rojos of Cincinnati. So we got those. That's the six-game stretch. Those of you on the live, put in your picks. Let us know what, what record do you think the Dodgers are going to go in the next six games. So you want me to go? Yeah. Unless you need more time. No, no. My first reaction, 
is four two. And I think that's what I picked last time. And it was three, three, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel like Kershaw is due for his comeback. He killed it in April. And then May is just so tough for him. And this is, and he's going to shine tomorrow. So Kershaw and Bobby Miller will get the W's this weekend. And then um, we're going to take two from the Reds. So four and two. All righty. Uh, do you, do you want to go baby face or, or do you want me to go? No, I'll, I'll go four and two also. I think they'll, they'll win, they'll win, they'll win two out of three from the Yankees and same in, in Cincinnati. Okay. So I got you guys on here. Uh, we got Michael Carrillo with four and two, Efren four and two. David wants a taco is feeling the Dodgers with five and one. There is some positivity. <laughs> there is some positivity to to end the show. Um, all right, I'm gonna go uh, three and three. You guys are far more optimistic than I am. I I'm I'm just I'm a little worried about the pitching right now. I uh, and the fact that we don't even know if Syndergaard's gonna play pitch in Cincinnati. Well, they're gonna skip them, so we're, we're good. Yeah, that's my, yeah. So if they're gonna skip them, though. I mean, well, I guess that means they do have an off day on Monday. They have so. every Monday off in May. Do they? So, yes. Yeah. So that that's great for the bullpen, right? They get a little more rest, and it gives Roberts some room. So have some faith, y'all. Have some faith. If that's the case, then I I don't know if Syndicard is going to pitch this month. If they have an off day every Monday, and they do, the princesa is right, they might not pitch Syndicard this month. We might have seen Syndicard's last start this week. I agree with you, Michael Carrillo, by the way, who says the Red Series is going to be harder than usual, and that is the reason why I'm going with a, a three and three uh, on this uh, on this next six-game stretch. <laughs> I had a really messed up day. I need y'all to come together and just, we're going to win. The Dodgers will be victorious, okay? <laughs> hey, look, the majority of the, all the picks that are coming in, the majority of them are four and two. I mean, David wants a taco, has him going five and one. I, like I mean, it. And David went to Atlanta. And once again, thanks for repping the Dodgers in Atlanta, David, uh, with the picture. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, do you have any last words, Princesa? Because you, I know you had a rough day today. Um, I just want everybody to be cool at the stadium because <laughs> I've been to both Yankee stadiums and then even at home at Dodger Stadium, the Yankee fans, just different. They're special, you know? So everybody <laughs> be cool. You know, let's all get along. It's baseball. It's a game. Let Let them handle it on the field. This, this weekend, I'm telling you, it's just a vibe. Everybody's so excited for this weekend. Um, and uh, there's going to be, you know, a bunch of stars out on the fields. And so let's just enjoy it, okay? Everybody act right. And there will be tons of undercover police wearing Yankees jerseys there this weekend, men and women. So oh, look at, look at that princess. Is that a scoop? I was not aware. <laughs> yeah. That the so. Yankee fans dress up as uh, no, no, as no, undercover, no. That the undercover dress cops dress up as Yankee fans. Yep, more than usual. They do that at every game. 
So there you go. For those of you, this is why you should listen to our show because we provide you with all the cop reports. So we, we let you know who, where these no. undercovers are. We let you know where these undercovers are. You know what, Babyface? We didn't, we might as well, let's end the show with the question. I think you had brought up, like, who do you think is, is better? Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts? Boo. <laughs> Freddie F- Mookie Betts. Maybe Mookie Betts two years ago. Freddie Freeman is the star of the Dodgers. He, Freddie doing Freddie. I mean, he gets no credit. La Princesa is officially off the Mookie Betts train. All right. Is that what's happening right now? I mean, I think that question wasn't fair because, like, you look at them, their seasons, their last two seasons, last year, this year, Aaron Judge by far is killing Mookie Betts. So. Yes, yes. Wow. We are just – the stock on Mookie Betts is down. Maybe no. we, should, we should buy now. It's, it's, it, it's going to pay off later on. That's I'm hoping because we haven't got that Mookie in the postseason either. And so I What about in 2020 when they won the World Series? And what about the ones after that? Okay. We didn't make the World Series. The ones after that. I like Mookie. Come on. Mookie's great. I'm not saying he's not great. I'm just saying numbers wise, look at the numbers last year to this year. You you compare the two players, who's who's been better? I know. I don't right. even know. I'm 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 going beyond that, babyface. Why are we even comparing Mookie as representing the Dodgers when Freddie Freeman is just killing it? He's not so, just the best Dodger. He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Princesa, is this officially Federico's team now? Well, he's he's like Mookie in the sense that they don't want to be the leaders. They, they he just is. He leads by example, and he's super likable and. I think he's going to have a great series as well because he knows how to shine. He's a winner. And I hope Mookie gets it together and we see that great Mookie again. Right now, he's really good. I'm not saying Mookie's not good, but he's not the best Dodger. In fact, I'll put like this. Freddie, Will Smith. (laughs) There you have it, folks. This really sucks that she was. (laughs) There goes the hat. This really sucks that she wasn't able to join us from the beginning. She's dropping fire today, folks. <laughs> she has laid the gauntlet. Mookie has now dropped to number three uh, on, on the totem pole. That's still it's still greatness because the Dodgers are great. So to be the third best is still great. He's just not the best. That's all. Don't try to make me like to be the president of the Mookie. I hate Mookie fan club. That's not happening. <laughs> My last last two thoughts. Yes. J- J.D. Martinez can have a big series, too. Okay. Yes, Look J.D. Martinez is on fire. Him? I want I want J.D. Martinez on our podcast. Come on, everybody. We need to manifest that. And, and, and I have a message for Alex Curry and uh, Justin Verlander's baby brother. <laughs> Don't steal our bit. The wave is our bit, right? Don't steal our bit. Oh All right. For those of you on the way, uh, on the wave, for oh those of you on the live, <laughs> I, ju- I just want to clarify. It's not Babyface is not telling you guys to tweet at Alex Curry or Ben Verlander saying, well, hey, why are you guys stealing the Bleedlos podcast? And it's not even the Bleedlos podcast bit. Let's be honest. This is La Princesa de Picolandia. La Princesa has always, from day one since she joined this show, okay, has been harsing, harping on people hating on the wave. So I understand, like, when you see all of a sudden Alex Curry and Ben Verlander bringing up the wave, yeah, hey, La Princesa's been having this conversation 
for a while now. So Babyface is not telling them, is not telling you guys to tag them on Twitter. He wink, is wink. not telling them wink, wink. to send them tweets or at them saying, stop stealing La Princesa's bit. He is not telling you guys to do that. Alex is a sweetheart. It, the wave is, is is public domain, man. Just like Taco Tuesday. No one should own it. It's fine. She's a sweetheart. <laughs> I don't know baby brother. And um, it, it, you know, there's there's two things that I am adamant about. The wave should be left alone. People so enjoy it. Even if you don't like the one, you see people around you at the game. Don't they love it? <laughs> well, Michael Carrillo doesn't love it. He I just don't. says, I don't pay to do the wave at the game. You don't have to. That's the freedom of being at the game. You're, you're responsible for you and your seat. And we should tell others how to enjoy a baseball game. And people love the wave. So I'm not saying I love it or I don't. I just think that's one of those things to just leave it alone. There's enough in this world to hate. Hating the wave is kind of like, oh, no. It's like hating puppies and stuff. Like, it's harmless. And then secondly, booing our own players. Have I been on that, too? I don't yeah. want to start that tradition. And I feel like younger fans or super drunk fans are booing the Dodgers without even any context, like, and that's if you go to games on the East Coast, you guys know it's like that. It shouldn't be like that here. We're sunshine, baby. Come on, like I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. And, and you know, there's a lot of kids there now. And I guess it's just the mom and me. I'm like, don't boo our boys. <laughs> Sorry. There you have it. You guys have been warned. If La Princesa catches you guys booing the Dodgers, you're, you're gonna have a problem. <laughs> oh, by the way, we we. we we have had a lot of Rizzo on the show, and we've had the conversation about the wave. Uh, La Princesa and Alana Rizzo. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want, guys. Uh, when Alana Rizzo and La Princesa go at it about the wave. Um, that was interesting. But anyways, I want to thank everybody who joined us on the live today. We love you guys. Uh, we really appreciate all your guys' support. Uh, we had dropped a great episode, if you haven't heard it already, earlier in the week with Jorge Castillo. Uh, Jorge is a friend of the Carne Asada, and he always keeps it real. Um, he's written some wonderful articles on the Dodgers. Also, let everyone know about the Bleed Loss podcast, guys. Tell them to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, to join us on the lives, to subscribe to the audio podcast. Simeon shouts out to you again, bro. I know you're, you, you are doing, uh, you're doing the work and we can't thank you enough for, for promoting us as much as you, uh, as you do. So, uh, this has been your Asido Su Servidor. Uh, and we will, we will see you all at Chavez Ravine. Yo Asido Su Servidor Juan Ramirez, de parte de mis colegas, La princesa de Picolandia, Alicia Del Valle, babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.